0: Find
2: a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDSE. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, it's been it's been a minute here. Uh, first time in two weeks here on the Wolverine live show. Here on a Monday night, Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safety, Chris Ballas coming off of, I think uh, I speak for all of us fellas when I say probably a needed couple weeks off from the show. Kind of have been in the dog days of the offseason, but uh, Clayton and I were off last week, back in the saddle for this week, and football's right around the corner. Uh, we've got Big Ten media days next week. Uh, we've got fall camp that starts a few days after that, around August 1st. So um, the offseason is, uh, you know, I know we're still 47 days away from kickoff for Michigan football, but the offseason very much uh, kind of coming to a close here. So, uh, again, welcome back, fellas. Uh well, how, how has everything been? I feel like we haven't chatted in a while. Great, man. Got a little bit of R and R up to Torch Lake one day and
1: Lake Michigan, uh, Traverse City. It's been fantastic. We still got a little time. It's I wouldn't say right around the corner. I can say I would say we're in position to be in position, as uh, those guys always say, right to uh, to tackle football season. But it's been fun. Glad to see you guys had a little break. Uh, Clayton went and shot, I think, sixty nine at Bay Harbor, if I'm not mistaken. Nice.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: Ish. Nice. So, yeah, so it's fun. Hope you guys had a great time. I hope the all-star game was great, Anthony.
0: Yeah. Uh, just got back from the Pacific Northwest, spent uh, eight days in Seattle and, and out there did some of the, went to the home run Derby. That was amazing. A nice little bucket list uh, item checked off for me, uh, spent some time up on Mount Rainier and uh, I posted this on Twitter, but it was kind of, you know, you get on a plane. I was on a plane yesterday you get out, you open the window, and you see Mount Rainier and way off in the distance Mount St. Helen. And the, the water's blue as could be and the, the sky is blue. The, there's all this greenery. And then you, you open the window back up when you get into Detroit and it looks like uh you know, you're in a bowling alley in the seventies with <laughs> all this smog and smoke and crap out there. So uh back to reality. But uh okay, so Canada, this, is, this is
2: Canada. I like one guy up there, Canada Mike, but other than that. Yeah, and, our, out and,
0: our, Mike. and our Canadian subscribers, of course. All of them. <laughs> okay. We love this is an international brand here. But mm. uh, yeah, a lot to uh, a lot to get to tonight. Um, first off, what I would like to do is uh, and we'll get into we're going to talk about some things that with our time off, we think we have a little more clarity on on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Uh, on Saturday, mm-hmm. Olivier Kamwa, the, the Tennessee transfer, uh, now Michigan Wolverine for basketball, spoke to the media the, for the first time. Uh, So we were able to kind of glean some stuff from him. Uh, We'll talk about, uh, is your city a Midwest city or not? Uh, Shout out to our old friend, Hunter Dickinson, for that one. And also take your questions. A a lot of good stuff on the fort this week. But before we get into it, I want to welcome a new sponsor to our show uh, in uh, Bird Dogs. And real quick, so right before before we went out uh, on our respective vacations, Clayton and I both get a care package, Chris I'm not I think you got one too but um Bird Dogs uh they are these these shorts that have a lining with them it, it's like a shorts and underwear in one and and I you know I don't I'm not going to model them on screen you got to pay a little extra oh, for on. that type of coverage here but hmm. uh Bird Dogs uh, use promo code uh Wolverine over at birddogs uh, dot com. you see all the uh the offerings they have for you I think the one I have is that second photo uh we're sent to two pairs of shorts, and also the uh I have this nice little uh, nice little cup here as well. So our friends over there, uh, we're excited to work with them. Uh, and this is me stalling while I try and pull up the reed. Uh, so yeah, uh, they are stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I could definitely use that. Uh, you know, they do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. Uh, they fit better than regular shorts and are made of stiff restricting cotton uh, bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement and and movement uh, and also the anti-stink and sweat wicking fabric i mean i went up into the mountain rear re- near one day wore my bird dog shorts up there and i felt like uh you know that whole section was as cool as the top of the mountain down there so um Shout out to uh, shout out to Bird Dogs. I know uh, you other guys have things to say about them as well, but uh, extremely impressed. excited to work with them.
1: Extremely impressed by the fit. You know, you never know what you're going to get with shorts and uh, the elastic waist, and just the fit uh, was fantastic. I saw they used a, a picture of my ass on the uh, the tight ass on that one for the, for the <laughs> jeans. There, or the can I say that oh, on the air? I don't know. <laughs> so, you just did. I just did. Uh, they're great, man. I would highly recommend them, and uh, not just saying that uh really really impressed
2: yeah i was wearing them basically all vacation as well up north i, I would have shot a 68 if i wore them from round at bay harbor <laughs> was disappointed Same. i, I two putted the last hole so yeah. Yeah, i never love never love a two putt when you're going for you know trying to i don't know get a 66 but 69 i'll, I'll take it and uh, bird dogs comfortable you can wear them for every occasion too you could wear them in the water you could wear them out to dinner so uh very versatile
0: yeah, they're awesome. Uh Super happy that they were able to hook that up for us. Uh, so head over to bird, birddogs.com slash Wolverine or enter the promo code Wolverine and you will get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order, this one that you see here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. That's birddogs.com slash Wolverine or promo code Wolverine for the free Yeti-style Tumblr. Uh, I, they say here, this is the last line of the read that they suggest, you won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. And like I said, I mean... uh Short of flipping them inside out, I mean, I was wearing those my entire vacation. So, yep. um, yeah, excited to work with them. And uh, now we move on to the, the nuts and bolts of the show. Uh, fellas, we've had a couple of weeks off from the show. A couple of us have been on vacation. Um, and really, you know, we've had a lot of time since spring football ended now to kind of reflect on the things we know, things maybe we don't know about this uh, this Michigan football team. But I wanted to focus today one aspect on offense, one aspect on defense, where we feel like uh, we've gained the most clarity, at least in our minds, you know, a, a take or a storyline that we feel the most secure and comfortable with about this football team uh, on both sides of the ball. So uh gave you guys a couple hours to, to scheme up and think of that. So um, let's switch it up today. We'll start with Clayton for what he's got on offense.
2: Yeah, um, great question. I, I think that for me, I'm going to say, it's that I think the pass game is going to be much improved from last season. Even though you lose a Ronnie Bell, you lose a second-round tight end, but I just think JJ McCarthy is going to take a pretty big step. And, and some of this stems from Jim Harbaugh's comment predicting that it'll be fifty-fifty run to pass. I don't think it's going to be that, but I think in you know Jim Harbaugh, as we've talked about in the past, you know he says some things in the off-season that maybe don't come true once the season comes. They're going to do everything they can to win, and they're going to have a really strong ground game as well. But uh, I just think. It doesn't matter if it's 58 or 57 or 61.9 like it was last season. All that matters is that you have everything at your disposal uh, on a given down, in a given situation, uh, against a given opponent. And I think Michigan's going to have that more times than it did last season because you have a a second year starting quarterback uh, who's really experienced and has a ton of tools. And you're seeing being mocked as a potential first rounder for next season could be that the year after if he decides to stay for his senior year. So I'm just going to say that that you know it's not the 50-50 maybe that Jim Harbaugh predicts, um, but I think that they're going to have more at their disposal this year in the past game, and it's going to take a step forward. Uh, and the more and more you hear throughout the offseason, I feel more and more confident about it.
1: It's hard to – when you talk about clarity, it's hard to gain clarity in the summer because you, you don't really know what they're doing, right? They're doing seven-on-seven seven stuff. You can take what you hear – and, uh, you know, from spring when Sharon Moore was telling me, Michigan's offensive coordinator, that there were times that he'd play J.J. McCarthy 15 snaps. And he's like, all right, sit down, man. I've seen enough. You're, you're a stud. And so I agree with Clay, Clay that that's going to be the case. But the one thing I would say with confidence is that this is going to be a healthy unit. And there was some concern there, right? Blake Corum talking about coming back in June and, and you weren't sure about Trevor Keegan and his, and his neck. Uh, you weren't sure about Drake Nugent. And in speaking with uh, our our sources for the Football Preview magazine, these guys are in great health and in great shape. So to me, that is exciting because there's so much talent there. And if these guys are healthy, and with the depth, what what one other thing I will add to that is with the depth, yeah, you, you know that they aren't going to be overworked this year, in my opinion. If a guy gets banged up,, uh, you can see a Giovanni Elhadi go in there and save some mileage, so to speak, on Trevor Keegan, right? Um, if you look at Drake Nugent, I think it's going to be the center. I don't think there's any question about it, but he's got guys behind him in Raheem Anderson and Greg Crippen who can play in there. Uh, and with the non-conference portion of the schedule not being so tough, I think you're going to see them mix it up a little bit. So there are a lot of bodies there. So I'm excited about it and just happy that they're healthy because you want to start the season without any nicks and bumps and bruises. Hopefully they get through the fall that way as well, knock on wood.
0: Yeah, for me on offense, something I've honed in on is, you know, when we talked to Jim Harbaugh about a month and a half ago at this point, uh, he he made the comment about wanting to be very deliberate about getting every guy on offense the touches that they needed to get. And uh, I kind of stood on that for a few weeks. Like, what does that actually mean? Is that just him? Is that him having, you know, is it the coach speak thing? Is it is it, you know, the philosophy? You know, again, I don't think he's giving away nuclear launch codes in June, but. For me, I think something that I've honed in on is that the only real place on this offense where I think you need to be conscious week to week on who gets what amount of touches and, and who is involved in the offense is Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Uh, I think that those guys, uh, I think getting them, you know, you know Blake Corum getting his 20 touches, Donovan Edwards getting his 15, 16, 17, whatever it winds up being, getting their touches, targets, whatever combination that is each week to me is a non-negotiable because those outside of JJ McCarthy are your two next best players on offense. So for me, I think it's uh I think when he says that, you know, yeah, it'd be great if you could, you know, he doesn't like to compare and contrast because he says someone gets diminished in that. But um, you know, I'm not concerned about making sure that Cornelius Johnson has eight targets a game if it means Donovan Edwards gets three or four less touches or Blake Corum gets three or four less touches a game. Uh, I think for me, when when you talk about this deliberate attempt to make sure guys get theirs on the Michigan offense, to me it comes down to that workload between Donovan Edwards and Blake Corm because you know if both those guys are coming off injuries, lower body injuries too, and, and Donovan Edwards had the hand. You know, I think the way that you both maximize what they, what their numbers look like in this offense, what their health looks like throughout the year, is if both of them are kind of getting theirs, and then you don't have to. You know, all it takes is an injury for. Blake Quorum all of a sudden to have 29 carries in a game or Donovan Edwards to be pressed into 25 or 26 carries a game. Now, we know they both can handle that workload, but I think week to week, if they're both healthy, uh, I think looking at managing those numbers, those are the guys that you kind of hone in on for what that looks like, in my opinion.
1: Yep. I don't think there's any question. Um, we, did we talk defense yet? We have not. Would you like to start us off? I will start us off on the defense. And uh, the one thing that I really was excited about was listening to uh, not just Mike Elston on the In the Trenches podcast with John Jansen, which is outstanding, by the way. John Jansen in that role is fantastic and as Michigan's color commentator on football games, but uh, listening to guys like Sharon Moore talk about them saying that the interior defensive line is one of the best and deepest that they've ever seen uh, and that they can't fathom how good it can be, which is saying something. And you're losing Mozzie Smith, fellas. But you got a guy in Mason Graham who you knew was going to be special the second that he came in. You've got a guy in Rayshon Benny who has absolutely picked it up, he had one of the best springs out of anybody, out of any of the defenders. Kenneth Grant is that gift from the football gods, and he's barely even played yet. Uh, they love him. And, of course, uh, Chris Jenkins, who is a projected first-round pick by some, which really shocked me, but didn't at the same time because the guy just works his butt off, and, uh, and he's got what it takes. So if he gets a little bit bigger – Uh, Can he be a Maurice Hurst-type pass rusher on the interior? I don't think he'll be that good, but I think he'll improve. Uh, And then uh, they talk about Cam Good a lot, too. And I think you've seen him improve as well. He looks bigger, uh, looks like a guy that might be able to play more on running downs as well. So they've got five guys in there that they really think can play and play at a high level. So to me, I think that's a given. And if you've got great line play on both sides of the ball, you're going to win a lot of ball games, fellas. I don't care where you are.
2: That's a great one. I mean, the defensive line, I'm a little bit less bullish on on the defensive line than than maybe some. I I still think they have a lot to prove, especially as a pass rush unit. But um, obviously, you know, great things to hear. I would say the thing that just to me, and maybe it's not me gaining clarity on it, but it's Michigan strengthening the position is corner. Uh, And just what they did with Josh Wallace, bringing him in this summer from the transfer portal in in mid-June or whenever he committed, um, you know, I just thought that, that was a really big development. It has me feeling a lot better about the defensive backfield. You know, I would, I would pick him to, to start the opener, as we've talked about in the past. But, like, this could be a guy that really, um, you know, he, he's experienced, maybe not at this level, but um, really gives them some time to develop some of those younger guys that are still coming up and don't have that experience yet. Uh, and then you got to remember this, too. When you're playing, you know, yeah, Josh Wallace against Marvin Harrison, Jr., doesn't sound like the, the best matchup for Michigan. But these guys, uh, it may not be him by game 12 every single snap. You have Will Johnson still there. And, and secondly, is, you know, game 12 gives you 11 games to kind of, you know, gain some of that experience, get Josh Wallace up to speed playing at this level. So, you know, maybe it's not gaining clarity, but just, uh, you know, what Michigan did in solidifying that position makes me feel uh, pretty good about it. And, you know, it's not a, not as much of a concern. Uh, as it is maybe a, a talking point from from my standpoint.
0: Yeah, questions, not concerns, right? Like those mm-hmm. are things, these are things that will be answered. Uh I think for me, uh this is one that I was actually kind of surprised by. I did a radio hit in Nebraska earlier today and one of the questions they asked me was what do you think is more of a, of a concern for uh the Michigan football team? Is it the wide receivers? Which I was like, okay, naturally like that's I understand that. And they said or the pass rush. And I stopped like I had to think about that for a second because to me, it's never registered to me that I think that pass rush is going to be a problem this year. I actually think it's going to be a strength. And one of the strengths of the Michigan defense, I think that they are, uh, I like the depth they have there. Again, it's the second year in a row where you can, I think rotate four guys in there. And I think not have much of a drop off. Um, Now I know this it's through the lens of there was a natural drop off last year because you lost, you know, two historically good pass rushers that were in your program at the same time. But you know, I think that Braden McGregor, if he just finishes a couple more plays, I think he's going to be a guy that pops this year. We we know that Jalen Harrell is a three-down defender that can do a little bit of everything. Maybe not master of one specific thing, but um, you know, has a lot in his bag of tricks. I think uh, Derek Moore. I think long term, uh, you talk about replacing Mike Morris. I think Derek Moore is probably. Probably going to be a better college player. I think he winds up probably being a higher NFL draft pick than Morris was. And uh, Josiah Stewart is, I think, already what Michigan was hoping Iabioki would be. You know, this this quick, twitchy, athletic disruptor uh, that is, you know, quite frankly, just been more productive at the college level, albeit, you know, in a lower uh, lower tier at uh, Coastal Carolina. But uh, to me, I think that the further we've gone through this off season, especially we only got to see them play in the spring game. Right. But I feel like this pass rush is going to be an asset and knowing that there is more cohesion between them and the defensive tackles. And, and really it seems like there's been more of an emphasis on that front seven in general, just being better communicators. I think that those guys will probably be a little more disruptive than last year. And uh, I'm pretty comfortable in saying that.
1: Yeah. And I like Josiah Stewart a lot. Uh, just he's got that chip on his shoulder and I think he's got more football want to than Oki does. And I don't mean that in a terrible way. I just think there are some guys that are, uh, you know, that just are all about the game. And I think that's this kid uh, from everything that we've heard and the people that we've spoken with, uh, they say he's got, a, he's different in, in the room. And when you've got a guy like Derek Moore out there and, But then Jesse Minter says we can all tell he's got a little bit different skill set than some of the guys on our team. That should really get you excited. Uh, And I love those guys that, you know, he's not as tall as some of the other ones, but he's like, man, that just gives me more to prove. You know, Mike Hart is a guy that comes to mind too. And I love guys that are built that way. So, I'm excited about that. Uh, Excited to see what the pass rush does on the edges. Uh, You know, the interior rush, you know, when I'm talking about interior uh, line play, number one is stopping the run. That's where it always starts, right? And I think these guys are going to be elite at that. I think Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, Kenneth Grant, uh, I think Mason Graham, like I've said many times, is the best freshman defensive tackle Michigan's ever had. True freshman. So and he's only getting better as a sophomore. His care level is just off the charts as well. And, and his tec- technical abilities and everything else. So uh, I love that. So um, listening to guys like Steve Klingscale say this could be, you know, uh, one of the best defenses Michigan's ever had. And we're going to be an elite defense and so on and so forth. This isn't a guy that throws that kind of stuff out there either. So it excites me when I hear things like that. Uh, but what mo- excites me the most is the culture in that locker room to go with that talent. You don't have a lot of me guys out there like you did in the like the late uh, 20-teens. And these guys are all about the team and all about winning for Michigan.
0: Clayton, any uh, lingering thoughts before we switch gears here?
2: Yeah, I mean, just back to, I guess, the, the pass rushes. Is- you know, there are plenty of guys there that I think could step up. But to me, it is a it is a concern coming into this season, and it probably won't – we won't learn anything about it. You know, we'll learn some, like we thought we we did week one last year uh, against Colorado State. They had, what, eight or nine sacks, and then Colorado State allowed like ten the next week yeah. to someone terrible. It was like, oh, okay, maybe maybe pump the brakes here. And then, you know, I thought the Maryland game, they didn't get enough. Um, you know, they started to get more, especially late in some of those games. And Doug Karsh – Michigan's uh, radio play by play man had the, the great point that that pass rush was heating up late in those games, Indiana, Iowa. It was kind of like a, a great closer in baseball. But I want to see it a little bit more consistently throughout entire games. I want to see it consistently uh, against the better teams. TCU comes to mind. Uh, you know, last season they actually had more sacks than they did in 2021, uh, you know, which is maybe something that, that looking back, people probably wouldn't guess. Uh, but also, you probably had to bring more pressure to do it. Um, so sacks don't necessarily tell the entire story there. So I think there are plenty of options of guys that could break out. I just want to see who who those guys are going to be. Uh, we're 47 days away from starting to see that. Uh, and then we'll learn more as the season goes on. But uh, I like what they have. I, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, there's not that many proven guys there, which is which is fine, um, you know, because it, it takes playing time and experience to do that. And we'll get that this season, but it's still something I'm going to be watching pretty, pretty darn closely, you know, throughout the entire year. And even when you get to those last games, it's got to be there uh, because that's one of the things that I think, you know, was their downfall in that second half against TCU.
0: I I agree with all that. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears here to basketball really quick, which is I know for a lot of people is where the television set gets turned to a new channel uh television set we're streaming this on youtube this is, i'm an old soul right chris <laughs> exactly um, get the rabbit ears yeah. Yeah. what's a television uh, the, set yeah yeah got to get up there on the roof and yeah, yeah Clayton, clayton's never seen a universal remote before
2: exactly no thing. i have i have cable too I, i'm no, one of
0: the rare out oh. there wow. yeah i i cut the cord and went back it's still you yeah, know got to have live sports you know, as it happens. So, well, when I was at uh,
1: Michigan, I got, I, wait, real quick, when I was at Michigan, we ran an antenna from the fourth floor at Bursley Hall up to the roof to get hockey night in Canada and put the uh, the tinfoil on the ends of it so that we'd get a better signal on the rabbit ears. So I'm dating myself. So you kids don't know how good you got it. I get off my lawn. That's fair. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, how was the reception? I got to know. It
1: was know. fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was great. We got, uh, you know, these channels out of Montreal too that, uh, you know what? The censorship in, in Canada isn't really what it was in the U.S. So back then in the day, it's like, ooh, wow, you know, this is great. So you'd watch Don Cherry on Hockey Night in Canada. And then at uh, midnight, you'd turn to Channel 54 there in Montreal. and Fantastic. Oh there you have <laughs> it.
0: So. Things, yeah. things are a little more lax up there. Yeah, uh, just a little. Uh, including, yeah. including their firefighting. Uh, Absolutely. Come on, guys. Having a um, hard time breathing down here. <laughs> uh, let's switch gears to basketball real quick. Uh, over the weekend, we heard from Olivier Kamwa the first uh, for the first time as a Michigan Wolverine. He spoke to the media uh, in the evening, and uh, a lot to take away from that. Uh, just just getting to know a guy, but you know something that sort of stuck out to me was you know there's been this talk this off season about obviously needing to come needing to come out and add uh, you know you need to just add the most talented basketball players you can figure it out. Uh, build a roster that, that can compete in the Big Ten, but more importantly than that, maybe just re establishing a culture. Uh, that was something that Will Shetter had said, uh, you know, the day after Hunter Dickinson transferred, uh, when I believe Clayton talked to him uh, at that pep rally. Um, you know, culture is something that I, I think it's a little bit overused, but I think in this particular case, Michigan really does just need that hard reset over. Uh, What has been, at least last year, just maybe the most frustrating season in Michigan basketball history, just because of the potential of what it could have been. Then you said you send two first-round picks to the NBA draft. Your All-American center, uh, formerly an All-American center, I should say, uh, transfers somewhere else, and it's kind of you're you're kind of starting not quite from ground zero because there are guys that have been here, but um, you do kind of need guys to come in that have have seen a lot of college basketball and that have been on winning teams. And uh, Kamwa, you know, I'm just going to go through here and read uh, read his quote from the story that Clayton put out. He says, I could definitely respect them saying that the culture needs to be reestablished. A lot of those guys are young. Last year was their first year here, and that's all they know. But at the same time, Michigan does have great culture, and culture just doesn't just go away because of a bad year. Culture is something you build through time, and then it's about how you bounce back about how you continue to keep doing things consistently every year, every month, every week. It's not something that can be built in a day and it's not something that's just going to go away in a day or a year. One bad year doesn't define a team and their culture. I feel like we have the chance to bring it back to what it's known for and understand that everybody has bad years. So, in starting uh, with that statement, first and foremost, I guess um, know your guys' thoughts on Kamwa's session as a whole and you Know his thought on where things are at right now with this culture,
1: Clay. Go for it. You're the one that was uh, writing the stories,
2: yeah. So I thought that was a, a great answer, and it's actually a, a pretty good point. It's like culture is great when you're winning, right? But, but what is your culture when you have to bounce back when you face some adversity? So uh, obviously, they have to reestablish that. If they get back to the cultures they've had, uh, or the culture they had early on in the Juwan Howard, uh, you know, his tenure, then I think that can be fine, but they need to reestablish that probably as as will cheddar said but i liked olivier Kamwa's uh answer on that and and my first takeaway from from listening to him talk and being able to ask him a few questions is just he's just an impressive dude i mean that dude is uh really mature um you know he was just fun to talk to interesting um and i think that's going to be big and that's going to be a theme with with this michigan team this year is they're more of a veteran squad. They got some guys that really have a lot to prove. And, and CB, you wrote this story, but Trey Jackson, uh, who's talking to Brian Bush on the Defend the Block podcast, uh, I love his quote that Juwan Howard told him when he was recruiting him, hey, I got a lot to prove too. Let's do this together. And it feels like that's kind of the culture, to use that word, uh, th- that they're building for this season. A lot of these guys are going to be one and done at Michigan, you know, where they come in for a year, they're going to be gone next season based on their eligibility. Uh, But I think if they can reestablish that this year, this could be a team that that really helps save, uh, you know, this Juwan Howard era at Michigan and kind of go into that second, um, you know, several years here after what he did with some of John Beeline's guys, some of his early recruits. Um, So I, I just really like that. I like his mental makeup. And then he's going over to Finland to go practice with the Finnish national team. Then he's headed over to Japan for the FIBA World Cup so he'll be gone all the way until September 10th um, and I think that's gonna be a good experience for him he said he's very adaptable so he played with Tennessee a few months ago he played with uh, he's gonna be playing where he's been practicing with Michigan he's gonna play with the Finnish team and then he'll be obviously suiting up as a Michigan Wolverine this winter so um, you know that will be a good experience for him and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he takes from that, how he does against some NBA type of talent. But I think that was a huge pickup still and uh, even more impressed with him each and every time you hear him talk.
1: I I agree. And here's the thing. You know, everybody talks about, well, these guys are only going to be there for a year. Would you rather have the one and done who has played a lot of basketball and proven it at this level at 11 points a game uh, compared to a guy like, with all due respect, Jet Howard? Uh, Even, you know what, I I hate to say it. Uh, You know what, The, the one year that they got from him, Um, really the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. And I don't mean to be mean about it, but you got guys that know defenses and have played years of college basketball. If they get Jose Perez from West Virginia and it's looking very well like they might, then you've got another guy. Namari Burnett is a kid who is played a ton of basketball and he hasn't scored a lot, but I think he's capable of it he's scoring more. Trey Jackson's played a lot of basketball and played against top notch competition. So if I go back to Caleb Houston and you know what he gave and uh Moussa Diabate and Jet Howard compared to these guys, if you asked me today, you know, would you rather have one year of that or one year of this? I'm taking this at this point because I've seen enough of the other to know that, hey, um, there's something to be said for experience. Now, these guys still have to gel, and they've never played together, but, again, neither did the freshmen at Michigan when they were there. So uh, I like the attitude. I like the fact that you've got a lot of veterans. It kind of reminds me of what Kansas State did last year when they brought in a bunch of guys and got them to gel, right, and they made a nice run in the tournament. I'm not saying these guys are going to do that, but and that, in addition to guys like Doug McDaniel coming back, uh, to me, I think Terrence Williams is going to have a better year. I really do. Uh, There's some veteran leadership here. Uh, I'm excited, at least now that they've got some pieces and credit to them for going out and getting some of these guys. I'm excited to see what they do, much more so than I would have been even if they had added a guy like Caleb Love, who I think would have been absolutely terrible for team chemistry.
0: Yeah. You know, with the topic of the show being things that we've gained clarity on, you know, I, I think in the last last couple of weeks, maybe the last few months, at least um, it's become apparent to me that this off season is a much needed detox for this basketball program. Uh, I think that there was just, you know, there was, there was venom in the fan base about, you know, jet hop, the jet Howard stuff. And, you know, there's the constant, you know, drudging up of just, just the constant, uh, buffoonery. <laughs> I'll call, it, I can't think of another word, uh, from Hunter Dickinson, just in terms of That being a distraction. Uh, And that's not to say like they're not going to miss those guys from a talent perspective, but um, I just feel like the hard reset is going to be better for everyone. I think, you know, there's a chance this team isn't any better record wise than last year's team was, but I think they'll be less frustrating. I think they'll probably be a little more watchable. um, And that's not exactly a ringing endorsement, but, you know, I like, I just kind of like that there's, you know, we talk about developing identities and the one that, you know, with the pieces they currently have, and they could still add a piece in, uh, you know, in a Jose Perez. Um, I like that the early bones of this team that we're, we could see next year, that there is kind of a chip on their shoulder and a little bit of a, hey, why, like, why are we being overlooked? Um, I thought if, you know, any of that stuff that was going on last, you know, any talk of that last offseason to me almost kind of felt like false bravado and throughout the season felt like false bravado. Especially, you know, the comments like, "Oh, you know, well, we were right in there with games, you know, in games with Virginia and Kentucky and all that type of stuff." And, um, you know, I just, I just feel like, at least from a, a starting point, this program is in a much better spot than it was a couple months ago. Now, again, you got to get on the, you got got to get back on the floor and and play some games and win some basketball games and build a resume worthy of getting into the NCAA tournament. But um, I don't know. Right now, I mean. It's it's into the unknown, but there's a lot more at ease about it. But maybe also some of that ease is the fact that the expectations are going to be much lower.
1: And I just I'm just happy that I don't think we're gonna see a guy on this team standing there not giving a crap if he's not playing defense and not rebounding and not boxing out at a big moment in the game, stuff like that. That is crap that I cannot tolerate. I can't even imagine what a coaching staff is thinking when they're sitting there and watching that. And, uh, and teammates. And we saw it in that Rutgers game, fellas. That was the beginning of the end of the season for all intents and purposes. Uh, that one play, a, fa- a failure to box out on a free throw and the air came out of the balloon and you could tell that guys were fed up and it was over. So I don't think you're going to see that this year. I think you're going to see a lot of veteran guys that bring it every night. And to me, that'll be fantastic.
2: And if Doug McDaniel can be Marquise Noel, uh, then maybe they do make a run (laughs) at Kansas State. You know what? He's going to get better. He's going to be better.
1: Yeah, I'll say this. Doug has to be a better practice player um, from what we've heard. You know what? So hopefully he takes it upon himself. He's not going to be playing as many minutes, and maybe that factored into it, right? Maybe it's because he was vlogging so many minutes that he wasn't a great practice player. But Hunter Dickinson wasn't a great practice player. There were two or three guys. That cannot happen. You have got to have great practice players. Those are the guys that set the tempo for your team and set the expectations. So I think this will be a better practice team as well. I think – I don't know what they're going to do. I'm anxious to see them in in action, though. At least there's some excitement there because there is some talent on this roster to see what they can do.
2: Uh, On that topic, too, one of the things I thought was most interesting, I asked Olivier Kamwa about Doug McDaniel, Terrace Reed, what he's kind of seen from those two guys. And he said the thing that has impressed him the most about Doug is uh, his his maturity, how hard he's working – um, so maybe, you know, he's taking a step there. I mean, you're, you're a freshman point guard that was going to play eight, nine minutes a game. Then you're thrust into a role, which I'm sure he, he welcomed, you know, other than feeling bad for Jalen Llewellyn. Uh, but, but I thought he handled that pretty well. If he can take a big leap this season, I saw a quote from, uh, I think, Phil Martelli on, on M Live where it was like, if Howard Isley is going to have anything to say about it, you know, Doug McDaniel is going to be a completely different player this season. And he's been working with him. So uh, if he can take that leap, Plus, you add these guys around around them like we've talked about, uh, you know, then this could be a, a competitive team. But still a lot of question marks. there. still a lot to to be seen. But, um, yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit better about this team than, you know, When listen to some of these guys talk, um, you know, than maybe I did before. And they're not done, as you guys both mentioned. Jose Perez. They're on Malcolm uh, Dandridge, Memphis transfer who could be a backup center. So they could fill those scholarships and, and be rolling with with five transfers, which is crazy to think about uh you know coming in the next season
0: yeah, and ultimately like we're going we're going to know i think pretty early on like if it's it's all about uh, to quote chris like what their give a crap level is um and if it's if it's not high and the effort isn't great i think that's going to be pretty damning for the guy at the top of the program so i like the message of hey you know i have something to prove too i think that that's uh i don't know what kind of results it'll all yield but uh yeah right. I don't, I don't, we'll see what happens yep so, all right, well, we're going to, we will move into questions here, have some from the message board also uh, from our wonderful YouTube uh, fans. Uh, if you'd like to move yourself to the front of the line, be sure to use that uh, donate button below. Uh, but before we get into questions, I want to take uh, a break real quick to talk about our friends over at Rogue Shop. Go check out RogueShop.com if you have issues, sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety or stress. Uh, Use promo code the Wolverine to get 10% off of your order. Uh, Listen, I mean, this, this uh, we've had some time to relax in the last few weeks, uh, but there have been times putting together a football preview, which is out now. Here's an ad read inside of an ad read, uh, the Wolverine on demand.com. If you've not gotten your copy of that yet, Um, or sometimes you just need to to pull things back and slow down. And uh, for someone like me, sometimes that's hard to do because my brain, Moves them, you know, 100 miles an hour, and sometimes uh, you just need to take that step back. So uh, being able to work with Rogue Shop with some of the CBD, the THC, the edibles, uh, their wide menu of products, the tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, soaps, more. Uh, it, it's, it's been very helpful. And I know people that have uh, worked with Rogue Shop through our site have shared a lot of the same feedback. So they handcraft all of their own stuff. Uh, they grow their own cannabis in their own facility. All of their products are made with their own stuff. It's there are no. It, it's straight from the source here. Uh, the website has a twenty four seven chat function where customers can ask them anything. All of their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, and plant materials. Uh, Rogue Shop is America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. They are a true small business that is disabled veteran owned. So, uh, yeah, I. I Again, i leave the spot open for you guys to share your experiences as well. Yeah, the edibles, man. I've been sleeping
1: great, man, uh, thanks to these guys. It doesn't take much, fellas. That's the thing. It doesn't take much. Um, great product and and good people. Uh, always happy to support them.
2: Yeah, the feedback's been great on our message board, too, with people trying it for the first time. Some people used other stuff, switched over to Rogue Shop, uh, haven't heard a bad word about them, and actually have gotten some private messages that we're all included on from some of our fans as well that have have thanked us for pushing uh, the message here. So definitely go check them out.
0: All right. Head on over to rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E shop.com. Use promo code the Wolverine to get 10% off your order today. All right. It's that time of week again. Our last segment of the show every Monday night here on the Wolverines live program is program. There's the old soul in me again. Uh, is program <laughs> program, uh, program. Including our, our friend, uh, JD Piquel over here, but, uh, let's, uh, let's get into questions uh, a lot to get to this week. I want to start, um, I want to start from some of the YouTube ones first, cause they're a little more, um, you know, <laughs> things go in all directions on the fort. If you're a member over there, you know that. So, uh, we will get to some of those, but I want to start with this one from Ryland 31 here on our YouTube channel. Who asks? Uh, where is it? There it is. Uh, Ballas, are you picking a Michigan to go eleven and one because it's hard to go twelve and zero? If you had to pick game by game, would you have them twelve and zero on paper?
1: Fair question. Um, you know what? I picked eleven and one with a loss at Penn State. I think uh, you know what. Come game time, I might change my mind and say, hey, you know, Michigan's playing great. Uh, they match up extremely well against Penn State. But yeah, that is part of it. And uh, you know, could go back to back. Undefeated seasons uh, is extremely, extremely hard. And we saw last year, you know, could have easily lost to Illinois. Yeah, they had some injuries. So did Illinois. year before that, you know what? Had to pull out a couple games. Uh, It was Nebraska on the road. Remember that? Uh, It was crazy. Uh, Penn State. They had to uh, kind of pull a rabbit out of their hat there late, even though they, they played better for the majority of that game, I thought, or at least in, in a big spurts. So I go back to 2015, the game Halloween night against uh, Minnesota. You know what? They're always going to be those tough ones. And so uh, but, yes, I would say that's probably accurate. And uh, if I had to pick game by game, uh, probably. I don't know. You know, I would say. Uh, at all, I will say, though, that that Penn State game is the one that concerns me. I think they're going to have a great defense. Um, I think they're going to be jacked up to play that game. And they generally play a very good game at Penn State against Michigan. I can't remember the last time they blew them out there. Um, you know, it, it's it's a while ago. Even that 28-16 to 16 win, they had to score late. And I think it was set up by the late touchdown was set up by a fumble, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, or an interception. So that's the one I'm pointing to. uh, But you can still lose that game and win the Big Ten if you beat Ohio State and win the tiebreaker, which is going to be a goofy one. Somebody in our message board posted that uh, it would go down to like the number five tiebreaker, which is the record of the West teams that you played. So it'll be fascinating. But uh, great question, Ryan
2: and with that tiebreaker Michigan avoids playing Iowa and Wisconsin the two top contenders right. in the west so you don't know how that's going to play out yeah right
0: yeah well Clayton and I Clayton you can correct me if I'm wrong I think we both had 12 and 0 in the football preview so let me kind of flip the the question on uh, on us here is why did you pick 12 and 0 what was it about the prediction that made you put it in print now obviously it was as of you know June 16th or whenever we submitted our final copy for that but uh, what
2: was your rationale for that? I'd pick him to go 12-0 every year. So, <laughs> I'm
1: just kidding. Matt Hardoff, ladies and gentlemen.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh, sure. um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, I mean, one, I, I like how the schedule sets up. Um, I think that's that's pretty obvious. And, you know, I, I agree. It's going to be a really tough game on the road at Penn State. I'd still give Michigan – An edge in that game. I could see it coming down right to the wire. I think the Ohio State game will probably come down to the wire. Uh, But those are the two that that really worry me. Um, And I I just think that this Michigan team is going to get it done in those two games. I mean, the fact that you get Ohio State at home, uh, you're returning your quarterback. They're not. I mean, I know he'll have experience by the time you get to that game, but I like that. Um, And I just feel like that atmosphere, Michigan's going to pull off three in a row. But yeah, I mean, we're looking at what percentage chances—52 percent, maybe. I mean, I'm not overly confident that they're going to win every single game, but I, you know, I, I think they're going to win each and every one of those regular season games. So that's why I'm at 12 and 0. I guess that's a pretty obvious statement, but
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll tailor it even more. Uh, I pick them to go 12 and 0 because I think they're just better than every team on their schedule. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not like, and, and again, you could have a loss that comes up. Comes, it, it's super hard to go undefeated. You could have a loss that comes out of nowhere, but it's not like the NFL where on any given week, anyone can knock you off. I think there are really only maybe two or three chances for someone to get Michigan on an off day or just outplay them uh, this year. So for me, that's the rationale there. Um, I like the way they carry their business. And I think they're the most, uh, they're probably the deepest team, maybe not the most talented, but they are the deepest team in the big 10 and heck, they probably still are the most talented Um, but, you know, given Ohio State, you know, they always have, always have the the stars, so to speak. But I think they're a little more top heavy. So that would be my rationale for that. Uh, we'll move on to this one from Jeremy Clore, who says, should they pass more even when they don't quote unquote need to? More game reps passing so they're better prepared when they do not need to pass down the stretch.
1: I thought they tried that at times last year, to be honest with you, and it didn't go so well. I, I can remember a few games where I'm like, okay, they're going to go pass. I mean, they went three out you know, in the passing game, and and they're like, all right, a couple of times, and it's like, let's get back to it. But I think so definitely, in, especially in the non-conference, uh, I don't really give a damn whose feelings you're hurting. Uh, as Bobby Bowden used to say, the former uh, Florida State coach, he said, it's not our job to stop us. It's their job to stop us. So if you're up 42 to nothing at halftime, come out out in the second half and start slinging it and working on things that you need to work on. Right. So that's what these non-conference games are supposed to be, especially these patsies. You know, you're going to get the win. So, you know what? Go out there and uh, <laughs> do some things that you need to improve upon. So uh, I think so, Jeremy. I think it's another great question. Uh, it's what makes this show this program, the best program, the best program on the YouTube.
2: (laughs) I agree. But also, (laughs) I mean, coming out and slinging it up 14-0 third quarter, it's 2023. I think they call that bullying. Yeah. (laughs) Not even touching it. Uh, But No, but I I agree with this. I agree with UCB. I agree with with Jeremy. I assume he, he, you know, that's why he asked this is, is because he, he's kind of along with this premise. It's kind of like, remember the, the Lincoln-Riley teams at Oklahoma, um, the, the really good ones where it's like you're passing a ton. You probably don't need to. Um, you know, you're blowing out a lot of teams. You're putting up a ton of points against really weak defenses in the Big 12. But then once they got to the playoff, they were still – I mean, they didn't lose those games necessarily because they couldn't score enough. It was their defense. But they were still putting up points against some really good offenses because they – had great talent great quarterback play obviously we know he produces fantastic quarterbacks but they were also just in such a great rhythm by the end of the year with some of that stuff and I thought Michigan wasn't quite there I know they had the injuries against Illinois but when you really needed it they made a couple plays but it was such a struggle in that game to limp through it uh, without your running backs your top two running backs so if Michigan can be and I think they will I think they'll do that and I think that they'll they'll do that because it'll work more. As you said, Chris, I agree. I mean, they, they tried to do that here and there and and it wasn't quite there. Um, So if you're improved at it, as I expect them to be, you're going to be able to practice that more, stay on the field in some of those drives. And then by the end of the year, things will be clicking a little bit more.
0: Clayton, I think you nailed it with the, the rhythm. That's the key word, rhythm and repetition. I think that, you know, obviously you can, they can flip the switch on calling plays whenever they want on a football Saturday, but to me, that's where this fall camp is. If you're going to be about it, if you're going to be about being more balanced offensively, mm-hmm. we know that you're probably going to be able to control the line of scrimmage. We know that you have two of the best backs in college football. Um, you got to rep this throughout camp and you have to rep it, you know, Monday through Thursday when they're on the foot, when they're they're on the practice field. And, um, you know, they're going to be game. They're probably going to be non-conference games. There might even be games early in conference play where they're they're They probably are going to throw a little more. And then, the discussion on the fort and the game thread or on social media is going to be that they need to get back to running the ball more because Michigan fans uh, just thrive on on the opposite take or or the, you know, what's behind door number two. So uh, for me, it's, yeah, it's, it's not so much about pass to run in play, you know, the in games and play calling situations. It's what are they really going to focus on in this fall camp? Um, And I think it's something where, like you don't you're not abandoning the run I think ideally 50 50 is probably where you want to be with this group but uh yeah if you're gonna grind your opponent into dust anyways sling it around and slinging it doesn't mean just chucking the ball 40 yards down the field like love to see some more slant routes in this offense would love to see more of the play action stuff that uh you know jJ was really good at when they called it uh, at least you know when you look at the the Pff numbers and things like that so yeah, I think that they do need to rep it a little bit more. I don't know that that, I don't know that you just rep it in non-conference games. It has to be reped, uh, you know, in camps and in practices.
1: So. And let's be clear, uh, you know what they when they needed to against Ohio State, they did right. So uh, there's something to be said for saving some of the playbook and some of your plays for mm-hmm. those games as well. And we saw that with the, uh, the great route there, the goofy route, but the great route, it worked out great to Colston Loveland the, on the 45-yard touchdown. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, you know what? I thought Ohio State got too aggressive defensively. Michigan took advantage of it. So uh, I'm excited. Hey, there's Captain Riker. Uh, there's Ryan Day. So <laughs> advertising is just for men, Look,
0: Yeah, no, I just had to hone in on that for a second. Just those yeah. rosy cheeks always just throw right. me. They're distracting, really. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Uh, let's go to one from the board, uh, this uh, from section 12 on the fort, uh, talking about Empower uh, moving over to the NIL space. He says, can Power become the equalizer for Michigan football in the new college football world? And if so, could we be the new Alabama that's in the playoff year in and year out with the network and connections that Michigan
1: has? He would think so, um, but they have not gotten the traction that they thought they would on the trail, unfortunately, that when they went uh, Jim Harbaugh went city to city. They were hoping to pick up some, a few more big donors didn't exactly happen. So uh, they've got some bills to pay fellas. And some of these donors had better step up. Otherwise your team, your Michigan team, isn't going to be able to, to hang. and, Uh, It's disappointing, frankly. So uh, these guys, you know, they see right now that, oh, recruiting's going well. And, you know, why should we have to contribute to that and aren't getting really a ton from the athletic department saying this is what we need to do. And I'll give you an example. Um, There's a coach that came from from another program that said, you know, if I was at where I was before and we needed ten million dollars, the AD would pick up the phone and we'd have our ten million dollars immediately. And I don't think Michigan's prepared to do that. Uh, I, you know what? I think that they are still trying to figure some things out, and that's disappointing to me. So they still need to get everybody on the same page. It's, um, but I, I give credit. I also want to give credit to the collectives, uh, especially Valiant and Champion Circle, for what they are trying to accomplish. But you can't rely on one or two guys to fit the bill here. Foot the bill here. You've got to get more people on board.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's hard to organize a group of donors that weren't organized before. If you look across the South and, you know, places like Tennessee, for example, they were already aligned. They were already organized. They were already doing things that they probably weren't supposed to. Now they still are. The thing with Empower, Michigan has a great reach. And they have a great, you know, tons of donors and, you know, one of the largest living alumni bases in the entire country. Um, but, you know, I still think Michigan's going to play by the rules, you know, to a certain extent. So I don't think it's going to be a great equalizer. Um, now, if you raise, you know, double what Alabama is and you're doing it uh, legally in terms of how you're distributing the money, then maybe, but I think that's going to be really tough to do. Uh, go look up the, the Red Elephant Club of Tuscaloosa, a group of donors that supports Alabama, and read their mission statement. Uh, it is to, I don't, I don't have it pulled up, but something along the lines of you know, supporting Alabama football in any way possible, not any way within the rules, not any way. Any way possible so that they can win championships. So it's tough to compete with that. It's hard to beat the cheaters, as Jim Harbaugh said in the past. Uh, But I think Michigan closing the gap and getting as close as they possibly can to that has got to be the goal. And maybe it's just going to take some more time.
0: Yeah, it's you know from the start. I feel like we've we're a broken record here, but it's they just got to get organized. And I feel like simply just being organized, I think, can solve a lot of their issues because there is that disconnect right now. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think when you start throwing around, you know, the term, could you be the new Alabama or could you be Georgia? Let's make one thing clear. Um, those two programs are where they are because they do operate differently than everyone else, uh, both, uh, both legally and probably illegally. And we know that that's not going to be, you know, in terms of things that are outside of the rules or something that. If discovered, could tarnish the university's reputation. We know damn well Michigan's not going to do anything that could compromise, compromise uh, its reputation or how it's seen. Uh, but there are still plenty of things you can do within the rules. I think to uh, you know, it, it's not illegal. It's not an NCA violation to be organized. So get organized and figure it out. Because I feel like we're you know, we're two we're two years into doing live shows like this and. It feels like every time we talk nil, it's gotta get gotta get it together. Gotta to get gotta get it together, and uh, you know there's incremental process or pro- a progress, but it's just not moving as quickly as it should uh, with the connections, with the networking, all those things. So uh, that's my spiel on it, so to speak. Very good. Uh, let's go to.
1: Last one. Sorry. I got a quiche. I got a quiche in the oven here.
0: Last one. Okay. Too, well, I'll, I'll I'll ask my question then. Uh, I was going to save one for me. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually a two parter. Uh, for this is from me to you guys. What constitutes a Midwest town, and, and is the town that you're from fit that criteria? <laughs>
1: okay, Hunter. Uh, yeah, Midwest, Upper Midwest. Yeah, we we live in the Upper Midwest, right? That's I think that's what it's classified and um are categorized and uh, grand rapids was a was a nice midwest town um you know it really depends on what side of the state you're on too you know it's it's kind of crazy and is so much different than grand rapids so um uh, you know everybody talks about the the hospitality and everything and i've been to some towns like lincoln nebraska that i thought was a great midwest town even though that's really more of like a plains state right I mean, is that, uh, what is it? What is that classified as? Is that Midwest? Megan will tell us. But uh, uh, to me, it was Midwest and it felt Midwest and it felt like those people were welcoming. They were great people. Do I feel that way about Ann Arbor? Not necessarily. So um, do I really give a damn what Hunter Dickinson thinks about it, who's nicer, you know, uh, Kansas people or, or Ann Arbor people? Not in the least. So I wish he would just uh, shut up and dribble.
0: I, I don't even know what you're talking <laughs> about. It was a total yeah. random, unprompted question I
1: So Yeah. So anyway, that's my, that's my story.
2: Yeah. I'm also from Grand Rapids. I would categorize it as a Midwest town, I guess, or city. Um, I understand what he was saying though. I I said that on the message. I mean, Ann Arbor is definitely different than, than Lawrence, Kansas. Ann Arbor is different than a lot of towns in in Michigan, but um, I think we all want to be mad at Hunter and, and all that, but it is what it is. I don't want to
1: be. He just keeps giving me reason to be. So it's just like, just go, you know what? Just go do your thing, man. Uh, you did what was best for you. We don't need the comparisons. You know what? It's just like, A, I'm not rooting for Kansas to win anyway because of the way they operate. You know, it'd be like rooting for for Alabama or Georgia or the Taliban or something like that. But uh, Tal- B, <laughs> when he gets over there and, you know, starts shooting off his mouth again, it's fine, right? It's like Bill Ambeer, everybody like back in the day before your time. It's one thing when he's doing it for your team and you love him, but when he's doing it, you know what? for somebody else, then you hate them. So uh, let's not get there and let's not tarnish your legacy anymore. That's just my opinion.
0: Well, I'd argue legacy was tarnished by uh, losing all those games. They were just so, oh gosh, so close in. Yeah, um, in I'll games. go quick on this uh, one. Uh, to me, I think the criteria, just as a talking point, I think Midwest town is filled with blue collar salt of the earth people. Uh, I'm from, I'm from Taylor. I'm from the down river area, which was basically built by, you know, are fueled by the auto industry. Um, you know, lots of people that work for Ford motor company, uh, people that still work very hard, uh, in the auto industry. So yes, uh, I would, I would consider my town a Midwest town, but, uh, all right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Chris has a quiche in the oven as does, as does Clayton. Uh, thanks to everyone, uh, for the great questions, uh, for all the feedback throughout the show. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe uh, to, or like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. A lot of great stuff coming in the pipeline. Like we said, live shows are firing on all cylinders. Again, we'll be at big 10 media days next week. We have fall camp coverage coming up. So this is going to be your hub to see a lot of, uh, a, lot, a lot of that stuff show up on video, uh, order the football preview, the Wolverine on uh, Shout out to, Our sponsors again tonight, Bird Dogs, and also our friends over at Rogue Shop. Uh, For Clayton Safey and Chris Ballas, I'm Anthony Broom. Uh, Thank you so much for all the great questions and for watching tonight. We will talk to you again soon.